guys in the room. How you doing? Who better than Derek, Pat, Andrew, the wrestling crew Man, they bout to put an end to y'all careers like a finishing move They bout to give y'all facts on these cats that's fighting on these mats Y'all can't see them like John Cena Even if y'all had 20-20 vision, y'all better listen Pay attention and take notes down and realize that it's not your time now And watch these three kings take the crown, Hey. Hey guys, welcome back to another edition of Wrestling IQ 101. Uh, as always, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WrestlingIQ101.com. And we're here with Pat and Derek. What's up, guys? And we're joined with a very special guest from a former WWE superstar, JTG. What's going on, man? Yo, what's up? Thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely, yeah. man. Definitely. So, uh, you're here? You just... You wrote two books. Uh, damn, why did I write this book? And damn, why did I write that book too? Uh, got a bunch of good stories in there. So first, I just want to get into your one particular story that you uh, talked about, as far as uh, CM Punk when uh, the whole squash match with CM Punk. Can you give us a little insight on that? Ah, uh, how did you deal with CM Punk? <laughs> I didn't figure that out. Oh man, that was just a, a guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what was the question again? Just uh, just talk about the story as far as um, the him avoiding you, you know, just basically how the whole thing went down. Oh, so I don't want to give too much away because um, I want people to yeah, enjoy the story. Just tease it. But yeah, he was. Yeah, but um, that day, you know, I was very excited to. Uh, to work with CM Punk, you know, he was one of the up and coming, uh, superstars at the time. You know, he wasn't the CM Punk that we know today, but he was definitely, um, uh, one of the, uh, he was a heel, but he was definitely, uh, on his way up to the top. And I was looking forward to working with him. I knew right off the back that when I heard that I'll be working with him, that, you know, I'll definitely be putting him over, which I have no problem doing. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I want to remain, keep my character strong, you know, both. Even though you're losing in this business, you could come out still looking good. You know, a lot of guys that made a name for themselves doing that. You know, like guys like Dolph Ziggler. You know, on his way to the top, before he became world champion, he was losing a lot, but the fans were getting behind him because he was the underdog. And it's how you lose. It's not, you know, it's not just because you're losing. So I wanted to, so with my match with CM Punk, you know, I knew I had to lose CM Punk and make him look strong because he was going into a title match with. um with, I can't remember the, the superstar, who the superstar was. I think it was Rey Mysterio. Um, but he, um, he was avoiding me, and when we finally did talk, it just sounded like he, he just wanted, he just wanted to squash me and not give me any offense, which I was not having. And he told me that, you know, it was, um, from the higher ups. And he, he said, Mr. McMahon. So, um, 
I went directly straight to Vince McMahon um, to, to ask, and he was, this is a squash match, is that what you, is that, you know, I put this man on the spot, um, at girl position, he's like, no, it's not a squash match, um, and they, they switched a few things around, and, you know, Punk had an attitude, uh, had an attitude with me, and, um, we went out there, and, you know, things didn't go as planned, and, yeah. <laughs> Now, can you can you kind of tell us about you know when you first got started in your time in OVW and kind of your experiences and things that you learned along the way? Oh, I love my time in OVW. Those were I consider those my um, college years. You know, I didn't get a get the college experience, but definitely being at OVW, especially being in the school developmental school for four years, um, it's kind of re- it resembles going to college. You know, I was on my own. I got my first apartment out there. I was. How old was I when I moved out there? I believe I was 19. I was 18 when I moved out there. And, um, you know, Rashad gave me his, uh, his, um, driver's license. Cause I was old enough to hit the clubs up. He gave me his driver's license so I could hit the clubs. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I had a, I had a ball. I learned so much in OPW. I learned the to do's and what not to do's. I learned about, uh, locker room etiquette. Um, uh, what else? What else? What else? And just, you know, I didn't learn everything about heat, but I got some general, general ideas. And that's what heat, that's one of the major topics I talk about in my uh, first book. My first question, and I'm going to have another one, is what's really hood? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you guys, the podcast is what's really hood right now. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, how was it wrestling in Brooklyn? Because I saw I saw your match with uh, David Otunga and at TLC. How was that experience for you? Um, it was I was caught off guard with it. You know, at first I wasn't even going to be at the pay per view. You know, and I try not to get you know get get um, let the business affect me personally because everything's business. But you know, this is the first pay per view in um at the Barclays Center. You would think that they were the only person who was from Brooklyn. Well, they had they had um brawler. But, you know, they'll figure that they'll have me there. Um, and then I get the call. The pay-per-view was Sunday. I think I got the call Saturday that they, were, they needed me for the pay-per-view. And I was like, okay, cool. And then um, I get there, and I wasn't, I still wasn't on the card. It was just, I guess they just wanted me there. And then as they put, um, later on during the day, they're like, yeah, you're working David O'Tunk at the first, first, the first dark match. So I was like, all right, cool. Um, so that was a great experience. You know, some, some things, um, you have on your to-do list as a professional wrestler, you know, wrestler MSG, become champion. Um, for me, you know, I would have never knew this in a million years, a million years that I was the first uh, match at the Barclays Center, the first wrestling match, me and David Otunga. That's awesome. Now, can you can you kind of tell us how did Crime Time get, you know, put together and how did that, how did you guys, did you guys come up with your gimmick or was it, was it something that was given to you? No, it came about naturally. We didn't really like sit down and say we were going to do this. It just came came organically with Shad and I. Um, we were down in OVW. Um, uh, Paul Heyman and um, Paul Heyman put Shad and I together after Shad just finished, um, Shad just, Shad just finished um, uh, a storyline with CM Punk, and I was there, and they decided to put us together as a tag team. And we became the Southern Tag Team Champions in like two weeks. You know, everything came came so fast. And then uh um after a couple of weeks went by, we were heels but we were getting a baby face reaction. Um Al Snow said he was Al Snow was a tra- head trainer at the time and also helping with 
you, you guys don't need to have a match every week to get over. You know, you guys can do something outside the ring, do some vignettes, you know, have some fun. And we're like, okay. And, you know, we got a camera and we started to do some vignettes outside the wrestling ring in the smoothies and in the smoothie shop and, and in the park. And those same vignettes that you saw in, um, with WWE before our debut, we shot those on the by ourselves. We shot those on ourselves and then that's how this man saw us. He saw the vignettes. He never saw me wrestle before. He never saw me grab a headlock or do a drop kick or do a dive. He just saw how charismatic that, uh, that Chad and I were on TV. We had a great, um, she, um, on-screen personality. So, I mean, you and Chad are really cool with each other and, like, best friends. So, was he hurt or offended? Because you told a lot of Chad's stories in your books. Well, I told a lot of stories that involved Chad. That's told it from my perspective, but yeah. <laughs> no, I, I kind of told him, um, told him I was writing a book and that he was a big, he was a big part of my career, so there's going to be some stories out there about him. He just said, make sure it's juicy and good. I'm like, all right. <laughs> I think one of um, one of the funniest ones to me was the, the story about his suit. Can you uh, just talk a little bit about that one? Yeah, the suit story with Triple H. Yeah, that, that definitely caught me off guard. I, I just, my jaw dropped. Um, <laughs> you know, Hunter gave uh, Shad a compliment. And, um, I didn't, I think Shad was lost for words. He didn't know how to, uh, react. And he, he said something that, you know, I didn't think he had a filter that day. It just was from brain to mouth, no filter. And, you know, it was kind of, <laughs> it was kind of a comment that, you know, that made Triple H like, what? The fuck is it? What? Why? What? He's like, okay. And just walked, and just walked off. And it just made me look at him like, why, why would you say that? You know, for, for those who want to know what Shad said, you got to get the book. <laughs> Now, as far as um, crime time goes and, you know, your character, how much of that was actually you? Oh, like with the character JTC, which you, that you see on SmackDown and Raw. Yeah. Um, that was me with the volume turned all the way up. You know, um, like in real life, I'm a cool, laid-back dude. But you put a camera in front of me and give me a mic, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to turn up and my personality is going to go through the roof. Um, and that's what I, that's a lot with um, a lot of the talent, a lot of the characters that you see on TV. There's a side of them, but the volume's turned all the way up. Nice. And, and I ask another question. So, who's the better thief, Crime Time or Los Guerreros? <laughs> oh wow! Well, we learned from the best. We, you know, we took a lot of our uh, <laughs> stuff from them. Um, I'm gonna have to give it. To, I'm gonna have to give it to the Los Guerreros, man. Nice, nice. They, they stole a lot of matches, man. I mean, they, <laughs> they made it cool. They made it cool to steal. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, I've always liked your gear, like either with the rolled up, you know, pants and the bullet holes. You know, how how did the gear come up, and why did you change it later on? I changed it because um, well, the gear came about because I, I picked wrestlers from all. I'm not wrestlers. I picked. People that I, um, entertainers from the hip hop industry that I, that I liked a lot. Uh, for example, I was a big fan of LL Cool J, so I, I rolled the pant leg up. Um, the bulletproof vest was from 50 Cent. Um, the chains and stuff, all that was all for my favorite rappers, like Nelly. I almost put the band aid on under my eye, but I think I was going overboard, <laughs> so I didn't do that. <laughs> but when I was with the singles route, I decided to um, change the trunk, so I, First, it was leather pants and the trunk because I wanted to get away from the crime time image. And when when you guys uh, broke up, 
you know, were you kind of nervous about going on your own singles run? Um, no, I wasn't nervous at all. I, I was actually um, excited about doing it. You know, I was, um, but you know, the the creative team didn't know what they you know didn't was still up in the air about what to do with my character. They didn't know what direction, so that kind of worried me a little bit. But I was definitely had the confidence that I had the um, the talent, the charisma, the looks to uh, to do a, a singles career. Now, I want to talk to you about this here. How was it like being fired the first time from WWE? Because you guys were major stars, you know. You guys were with Kate and Jinjack around that time, and you guys essentially got fired out of nowhere. Yeah, it was definitely out of nowhere. I think we were definitely slated to win those um, tag team titles the the week before we got um, released. Um, I think that was the reason why there was a lot of jealousy, and we got <laughs> we got some heat put on us that turned into um, a release. But it definitely caught us caught, caught me off guard, and I didn't think they would they would release us. You know, I thought we were going to get a big fine, but um, it was definitely a heartbreaking because you worked so hard to get to get to WWE. And then, you know, jealousy, hate, envy, and all that, all that stuff, you know, um, it, it becomes overwhelming. Now, can you kind of tell us, were there any differences, uh, in being in WWE when you guys came back? Was there, was there big, no, we were only released for six months, so there wasn't really, um, really a big difference in the locker room. You know, we were, uh, we were, I guess we were more over. I, I can say that. We were more over because <laughs> the fans didn't expect to see us back that quick. Now, as a member of Primetime, you've got to work with like guys like Rated RKO and DX. Were those kind of dream scenarios for you, and did you think you would go on to bigger and better things? Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, working with uh, Randy Orton, Shawn Michaels, being on Shawn Michaels' um, dream team at Survivor Series, working with John, uh, working with John Cena. Um, those were all, you know, I would never imagine that in a, in a million years, and it, it, was, it unfolded. So, yeah, I definitely could say I lived my dream. So, did you feel that you were kind of robbed that, you know, the only title match that you guys ever really had a chance to win was for non-titles? Um, I know. Dude, I think we only had, like, two title matches? Am I right or wrong? I can't remember. <laughs> my WWE career is a blur right now. Um, I don't remember getting a title shot. <laughs> I don't remember getting a title shot at SummerSlam. Yeah. Um... And we uh, against uh, Jer Jericho and, and Kate Murdoch, before right? I can't think of any I can't even think about anything else after that before or after that you guys probably know better than me dude. <laughs> and I get a title shot before that Kate Murdoch yeah the Kate Murdoch yeah Kate Murdoch yeah was it a pay per view or was that a uh, raw I think that was a pay per view that was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like you guys were one of my favorite tag teams during that time, like in the mid two thousands, and and then, but you never really got a real opportunity. Yeah, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just chalk it up to heat. I don't take it personal. <laughs> so I want to talk to you about NXT because you see how big that's been growing, and you, and you kind of were the the genesis of that, and and you've had so many great matches on NXT with guys like EC three now. Uh, Tyson Kidd. Can you talk about a little bit of that experience? And oh, my experience there, I had a lot of fun working with NXT because um, I was able to get more mic time and more ring time. You know, with Raw, you know, everybody's on. They try to cram so many superstars on the show. Um, and sometimes the time is cut. And sometimes they just cut you off entirely. But with NXT, I know I had the freedom to be um, 
to have more fun and I, I asked for the mic more. You know, with NXT, you know, they gave me my own uh, talk show. Uh, I was able to BJTG remind fans why I was over the first time. And, um, I got, I got over, I got, it got more uh, screen time, more vignettes, more backstage, uh, segments. So I definitely enjoyed uh, being on NXT. Going back to that, and how you say, talk about all the heat and jealousy backstage. Do you find that it's more enjoyable being on the indies like you are now, opposed to being on WWE long term? Well, that has, has its pros and cons. Like, I definitely enjoy being on the indies because of the freedom, and um, there's no contract. You know, the contracts, you know, they, they tie you down, you get in there. You can't, you're limited to what you could do. Like, being in Los Angeles, there's so many opportunities that come my way. I knew if I was under a contract, I couldn't, couldn't do it at all. Even if I was sitting home and not on TV, I still had to ask, ask for permission. And they probably just say no just for the sake of it, just, just because. Uh, <laughs> but with being with WWE, you're guaranteed a certain amount and, um, there's more security. And as far as, uh, being on the Indies, uh, you wrestled at, uh, one of the big companies here in Jersey. Can you kind of tell us about uh, the experience you had there? Oh, I enjoyed working for um, Pat Buck's organization. I, had, I, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, they have a great turnout every every time I go there. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing back from Pat to come back down to Jersey. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed working for uh, Jersey All Bro. Yeah, he also worked for WrestlePro, and you got to team up with TNA's Wrestle KM. Bro, Bro, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to team up with KM, Kevin Matthews. So... Let's talk about, you, you've also got to wrestle a guy, uh, Kurt Hawkins. How was wrestling him? Yeah, it was cool. <laughs> I, it was cool. I mean, nothing else, not, nothing that really stood out, but it's cool. That's good, cool, because he, like, he's one of the, uh, he was one of the premier people at WrestlePro, and people just seemed to love him, so. So, when you got heat for touching the championship belt, I want to know who was the champ? Who was the champ? The time, <laughs> the champion at the time was Edge. Edge, oh, wow. I, you know what? I thought it was uh, Randy Orton. No, 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 it was Edge. Yeah, he was the champion at the time, I, but he did it in a in a joking manner. It wasn't like he wasn't serious about it. But at the same time, you know, a joke in the locker room could get carried away and <laughs> get get ran with for for, for yards, miles. Can you kind of tell us? Can you tell us what like goes into when you're with a tag team partner for so long, and then you you know you guys know you're gonna split and you know start feuding, like like what goes into that? Like how do you, how do you guys work on you know how the breakup's gonna happen and you know what's gonna happen when you guys start feuding and stuff like that? Um, it's usually creative that usually comes with you. Like the first time we we um um we talked about splitting us, splitting us up, it was an idea. It was like, hey, you, you think about splitting you guys up, you know, the tag team division. You know, we want to see how you guys do singles. What do you guys think about that? We're like, yeah, it's cool. You know, we've been tag teaming for what, four, four or five years now? I think it's time to go out separate ways, you know. We was cool about it. Um, so, we, to us, it's, it's, it's work. You know, we're still going to be boys at the end of the day. We're probably still going to travel with each other. It's just on screen that we're, we have a beef. <laughs> So yeah, and you also had a, a thing where you got to team up with Daring Young versus the Usos. How was that? Because now that you see the Usos, they're blowing up. Darren Young got a nice little push prior to this. Working with Darren Young was um was cool. Um, he's very very quiet, uh, very um great to himself. The Usos, I enjoyed working with them. 
Um, they're very creative with their how they come up with their spots. They, they think outside the box. Um, they were big fans of Crime Time. <laughs> they, told, they told they told me that they're like, man, we love to work work you and Shadows, man. They need to bring y'all back. And I, I would love to, you know, I would love to work those guys. And I wouldn't mind putting them over. Those guys are the you know the next uh, generation. Um, you know, and they're doing pretty good for themselves. I'm happy for them. Yeah, it seems kind of like they uh they kind of they have a little bit of your gimmick in them right now. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I, I'm flattered, you know. I, I don't, like, some people think that I'll be bitter or mad about it. Like, oh, they're taking on shit. Like, nah, man, they, they're there now. They have, hope they're having fun. They're enjoying it. Our time is, our time, you know, the crap time we do come back, we always switch it up and we're going to be fresh. So what about working with Ms. Marson? Because you guys were so popular. You had the, they had the dirt sheet. You had Word Up. And you guys were feuding with each other. So how, how was that come about? And how was that for you? Uh, working with Ms. Morrison? Yeah, and during that whole time. Oh, man, that was fun because we were bouncing, each other, bouncing ideas off each other back and forth. It, it just started, um, I think, I, w- I would give the credit to Brawler because we both had um, internet shows and Brawler would mess with us. You know, he'd be like, hey, uh, Ms. Morrison show, you know, they got they got higher ratings than you and then we'll, then we'll try to um, outdo them the next week with Word Up. And it was, first of all, it was um, the ratings beat and then we started taking shots at each other. And Brawler was instigating the shit the whole time. Um, and, then, and then it just spilled to the ring. And we had a great storyline and great, um, we just had fun with each other. So we had great matches and great storylines. That was one of, probably one of my favorite, um, feuds, uh, in my, in my career with WWE. Our first will be Jericho. And then they, the top, right underneath that will be working with Miz and Morrison. This past, uh, past year, the split happened and there were rumors happening all around saying that you guys could come back. Was there any truth to that, maybe? Um, no, I never, not that I know of. You know, I heard, I, you know, I have some people in the office, I heard our names were bounced around, but I don't know if there was, I don't know if there was any, um, truth behind that. Because I feel like they picked the wrong choice with the spirits, why I think it would have been a lot bigger <laughs> if you guys would have came back. <laughs> now, can you, um, I have to ask, now, do you think it, that there was any type of, you know, stereotypes to, you know, the characters you guys played? I'm pretty sure you've heard it before, like, like, because everyone always assumes, like, oh, that's a stereotypical thing, you know, for an African-American wrestler, he's being, you know, a hip-hop guy, he's stealing stuff. Yeah. You know, how, how did you, you know, kind of feel about that? I didn't feel anywhere about it because, um... This is the wrestling world. You know, in the wrestling world, you know, they take what's mainstream and they exaggerate it. Yeah. That's everything. Every That's culture. That's race. That's, um, uh, background. Anything. If you're, if you're playing a sumo character, if Yokozuna wasn't even Japanese, but if you're playing <laughs> a sumo character, they're gonna have you eating a bowl of rice. You're gonna be coming, you're gonna do the bond, you know, they call your finisher the bond. I mean, they go all, they have, they, they have to exaggerate it because everything on TV has to be blown out of proportion to tell, to tell the story. So with, with our characters, and I am, I represented hip hop. You know, and that was me. I did wear Timberlands. I did wear fitted hats. Um, I mean, I wouldn't wear a grill, but you know, I had to <laughs> exaggerate, <laughs> I had to exaggerate, uh, that culture on television to get, to get that, um, to get the character across. Do you feel like that, um, character hurt your guys' push? Um, no, I think he <laughs> heard our push, <laughs> which I 
we just mentioned Kenny from uh, Spirit Squad, and you wrote about a story with Kenny uh, and Randy Orton, I should say. But uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Oh, that was a rip that was pulled on me. Yeah, by um, Armando. Um, well, it was. It was not, I wouldn't say Armando it was more Kenny, and then Armando capitalized on it. <laughs> um, uh, Randy was shooting a deuce in the bathroom, and I thought he was somebody else. And I threw uh, some. Um, I threw some. Ma- I lit a matchbook on fire. I threw it by his feet. And, <laughs> and then when I heard the person yell, I'm like, "Oh shit! That's not who I thought it was." And um, he was like, yeah, what the fuck? And then I had to like tell him about the rib, and he kind of laughed it off. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were somebody else, man. I apologize. And he was like, that's like the last person you would have messed with in the locker room, like Randy Orton. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Like, talking about like lighting things on fire, right? The fire alarm went off. Everyone had to leave. This was a different story. But was it actually you? I think, like, were you smoking something instead, or were you in the shower? That's just what I want to know. <laughs> No, 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 that wasn't smoking. That no, wasn't smoking nothing. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, that's I like, like, that's like a thousand dollar fine if you get popped for that. I don't know. Four in the morning, man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was definitely taking. I was definitely taking a hot shower, um, and the steam got crazy. Um, that happened. That, 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 when I told that story, um, a lot of people tweeted that happened to me before too. I thought it was just a. Um, um, <laughs> experience that I would have, something like that would happen to me, but no, a lot of people told me they shared the same experience. Oh, okay, that's funny. I just want to remind everybody, you can get this book for, like, pocket change with all these stories in it, just just as a heads up, but... Yeah, so, <laughs> down in WWE, you got a chance to wrestle uh, William Regal, who's world-renowned. How was wrestling him? Wrestling him was uh, um, definitely... It was, a, it was a challenge, and I don't say that in a negative way, in a positive way. Because William Regal, he doesn't like to call anything in the back. He's very old school. So, and then not only that, that, he, that he's old school, um, he tells you, I'm not taking this bump, and I'm not taking that bump. And it's like, oh, shoot, so what am I going to do? So you're limited to, you're limited to what you can do, so you got to be creative. So you're calling stuff in the ring, and you're limited to what you can do, so it's like, you gotta think on your feet and be and be very well experienced. And if you have when you pull up a good match with William Regal, like you're good. You belong. You belong here in the WWE. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now like you kind of have that status now that you're on the indie scene. Do you ever say that to other guys? Like I'm not gonna do this or I'm not gonna take that bump. Um, it depends. Like with the indie scene, I don't do any um crazy. Um, I personally don't do any crazy bumps or dives or stuff like that. I, 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 I um, was taught on telling a story and not really into the big bumps and spots. Um, I don't do any, I don't do like the weapon and stuff. I don't do any, do any of that. Um, if, if somebody wants me to take a, um, catch them in a dive, you know, I'll do it. If they want to do a whole bunch of stuff, I mean, I'll be there to catch them and, you know, make sure to protect them, let them get all their shit in, but nah, I don't, nah. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I mean, when you came to the WrestlePro uh, show, you were you came flying in the rain. You were so fast paced and everything. So I mean, even without doing high spots, like you said, it was still like extremely fast paced and you know entertaining. Oh well, I didn't think I was going fast paced, but you say so, yeah. I thought so. <laughs> so um, thanks, man. Thanks. <laughs> so as far as indies, uh, you know, besides recently WrestlePro here in Jersey. 
Uh, where else have you been uh, wrestling at independently? Um, I can't remember all the promotions by um, by heart. There's been a few. I've been down to a FCW, FEW. I'm sorry, down in um, down in Miami, Florida. That's a good promotion. They always have a good um, good turnout. I uh, worked in uh, Boston. Um, some shows in New York. Uh, got a few shows coming up in um, the UK. Uh, going down to Dominican Republic. I got a lot of shows coming up. A lot of people that I work with before in the past in Canada. Um, I can't remember the name of the promotion, but it was in uh, Montreal. I've been around. I've been around. <laughs> yeah, if you go to Dominican Republic, you might not come back. <laughs> yeah, man. That's what I told the promoter. This, the, the show was on. A, I believe it was on a Saturday, so I told him to let me come out there early. You come out there Wednesday to you know help market the show. I got to promote the show. Yeah. And then if the show's Saturday, I want to fly out Monday. <laughs> so you also got to work with Slam Master Jay and Eve Torres. How was your relationship with those guys? Um, but Eve Torres and uh, it was it was cool. Um, I enjoyed working with Eve. She was easy to work with, and she was fun. She was you know open minded to you know ideas. Um, some sometimes working with Eve could be difficult because I'm not doing this, and I don't want to say that. But working with Eve was totally fun. And then also, we gotta talk about the JBL is creep. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how did that come about? And how, did you have fun like destroying that limo? Oh, I had a ball, man. If I could pay, I'll do it again. <laughs> um, man, yeah, I enjoyed um, smashing, smashing that level. Again, I was caught off guard, so I just walked from Chad and I walked into the building that day in New Orleans. And uh, one of the prop guys was like, oh, you guys are going to have so much fun today. I wish I was, I wish I was, I was in your guys' shoes. Uh, I was like, what's going on? And he was like, um, and then we went over to the section. He was like, you guys get these bats, here are your gloves. Um, you guys will be destroying a limo today. I'm like, cool. He's like, that's not even the cool part. That's the best part. You be doing a thing with John Cena. I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. <laughs> now, can you, when you, when you were younger, can you kind of tell us, like, how did you, how did you get into the business? Like, um, as a fan, like, how did you, what do you mean? Like, how did I start liking wrestling or how did I how did you, get into? Yeah, how did you, like, decide, uh, you know, you were going to be a wrestler? Like, how did you train oh, trained you? So, both my parents are wrestling fans. You know, they went to Memphis for Garden every month religiously, and my, my mom just loved wrestling. And then, you know, I at the age of two, I knew I wanted to be a professional wrestler. I was jumping off my mom's couch on my sister's cabbage hat dog doing Macho Man elbows pointing to the pointing to the sky, pointing to the roof. <laughs> and um, at the age of two, I knew I wanted to be a wrestler. And then, you know, it was kind of like when I started getting older. When I was like in June, uh, middle school and high school, you know, it was kind of embarrassing. It was kind of embarrassing to say that you're a wrestling fan. You know, it, was, it wasn't cool yet to be a wrestling fan. So I didn't really tell people um, that I wanted to be a wrestler. It wasn't even cool to be a wrestling fan. So how could I tell people that I wanted to be a professional wrestler? So I said I wanted to, I wanted to pursue acting. Um, but I knew that I wanted to be a professional wrestler around um, high, around senior year in high school. You know, it came down to crunch time. It was like, what college are you going to? Are you going to the Army, Navy? A lot of my family members went to the um, went to the Army and Navy, and they were like, "What do you do? Are you going to college? What are you doing?" And I was like, "You know what? I'm going to be a professional wrestler." And you know, I got a lot of side eyes, like, "This dude's here, not serious." And then, you know, <laughs> I told my mom, and her being a wrestling fan, she did, she supported me. So, uh, when you were in OVW, was Jim Cornette doing any of the booking at all while you were there? 
Yeah, my first like two, two, three years, um, Cornette was, was there. He was definitely heavily, heavily involved with the, um, with putting the shows together. And then, you know, everybody knows about that incident that he had with Santino. Yeah. And, um, he was no longer there no more and Paul Heyman came in. How do you, how would you compare the two of their booking styles? Um, how to compare it? Jim Cornette was more old school. Um, and, I would say that Paul Heyman was more like an evil genius. You wouldn't know what you wouldn't know what way he was going with his uh, with his storylines, and then he'll like he will have like this twist. It was like it was like it was, it was like one minute you thought somebody was going to do one thing, and then it turned out to be totally something else. Like he like he like swerving he like swerving the marks. That was Paul Heyman's uh, uh, look on it. Not too much, like Vince Russo. Yeah. Uh, I loved your theme song. Did you like that? Because whenever I go to a show and they play that in the background or something like before the show, I'm always like, "This is it." This is, I love this song. <laughs> oh, you know, the um, yeah. crime time theme. Yeah, song? The crime time theme. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't know who wrote it. I, I don't know if I've ever met the guy. Or I remember the first time I heard it. I was at a live event with Shad, and it was like, you know, if you got new music, new uh, music tonight. I was like, really? He was like, um. Alright, let's hear it. We went out, and then the music played, and we looked at each other like, you like it? I was like, yeah, it's cool. He was like, ah, alright, we got no choice anyway. <laughs> so we went out. <laughs> so it's like one of those iconic songs, like, you just hear it, and you're like, damn, that's like, you know, you just hear it, and you're like, that's JTG and Chad. And, you know, there's just there's like some songs that you just relate to, like that, like, Stone Cold and the Glass Breaking. So, yeah. And my favorite part is, like, the Brooklyn, you know. Yeah, people still... Always do that in Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Do you um? Do you see yourself possibly going back to WWE in the future? Um, maybe. You know, um, there's some things that I have, I have on my to do list that I want to um pursue before I before I pursue um trying to go back. Or if they if they you know if they call me tomorrow and the money's right, you know I'm not going to turn down some good money. But um, for me to pursue them and, you know, bang on their door, there's some things I want to get off my to-do list that I want to do first. And, and is there anybody who's on the independent scene that you haven't wrestled that you actually do want to wrestle? Oh, yeah, there's a few guys that I would like, love to wrestle. Um, uh, Brian Cage, he's doing great things out there on the independent scene. Uh, who else? Uh, the villain, what's his name again with the umbrella? Oh, Marty Scroll. Yeah, Marty Scroll. Body stroke, yeah, I would love to work him. Um, those are those I can take off right off the bat. But yeah, I would love to work those two. Did you want another match with Cody? Cody Rhodes? Yeah. Yeah, why the hell not? Do not come <laughs> <laughs> like, You got some payback to give him because he, he took it to you. So, one of, my yeah, favorite, definitely. <laughs> one of my favorite things about you is that you had awesome backstage moments from like SummerSlam when interacting with Vince. And then, you know, or the one, like, where you're interacting with King Booker. Can you talk about, like, like those kind of scenarios, like those segments, how much they meant to you? Oh, it was a lot of fun. Um, the SummerSlam incident, I believe that was in um, Nassau, right? Uh, was it Nassau? Uh, uh, Izod. Izod, yeah, yeah. Um, that was, um, was off the, like, Chad and I came up with that. Chad and I came up with that, and the boss loved it. And everybody, he said that he wanted everybody to dance around, and it became a hit. Everybody loved it, um, especially William Regal's reaction. William Regal pulled that off great. 
Um, <laughs> I don't know if anybody remembers that. He just yeah. put the hat on him, and it's just his facial reaction was just like priceless, and it became it was. A, I think that's only hits on YouTube that video that that, that segment. <laughs> Uh, I was there that night, and the best part was like when Ron Simmons goes, "Damn, <laughs> that was awesome." It's it seems like you know between the segments you had and like you had that conversation with Vince that you and Vince had like a good rapport. Can you just go in, into your relationship with Vince a little bit? Um, I think uh, me personally, this is my opinion. I think well, Vince was a fan of JTG. I think he um he um he, he loved my ca- my ca- charisma. Um, he was a big fan of the crime, of the crime time gimmick. Um, and I think he really did want to see me succeed, you know, cause I remember he'd pull me to the side and give me advice sometimes. Um, I think it was just, uh, again, the politics behind the scenes. I could have got a lot more further. I didn't want to play the game. You know, I was very naive. You know, I thought playing, I thought, um, my talent and charisma would get me over and would get me to the top. And unfortunately, I was very, very wrong. <laughs> and I talk about that a lot in my second book. And it's subtitled, uh, How to Play the Game. So, when, when you get, like, the call saying you're going to wrestle a guy like Ryback or the Hart Dynasty, you know, on on SmackDown, you know, was that just, like, every day for you? Or did, did you feel like this is something, like, you know, huge behind it, you know? Oh, every time you get in front of the cameras over the opportunity... Um, so every time I got, you know, if it was, um, I was, uh, doing business for, um, what was it then? Funka Doctor, what was his name again? The Funkasaurus. Brodus Clay? Brodus Clay. Yeah, if I was doing business for Brodus Clay and it was a five minute match, you know, I used that opportunity to get, get myself over as well. If it was, with, if it's with facials or expressions, um, I make sure that I did something to, so the fans can remember, uh, you know, just because you're losing doesn't mean that you have to, uh, get to lose all across the board. So the book is available online. Do you have a, anywhere else you can pick that book up? Oh yeah, you can pick the book up on Amazon. You can pick the book up on, um, Google Play. You can pick the book up on iTunes. The audiobook is available. Everyone loves the audiobook because it's narrated by me, yours truly. <laughs> and, um, it's ten times funnier hearing, hearing it come come from me. Um, <laughs> and you get that also on, uh, was it Amazon Kindle? The link is also, um, the link to the book is also in my, uh, social media platforms. Uh, Instagram, it's JTG121084. And on Twitter, it's JTG1284. For us, we're Wrestling IQ 101. And you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we really like to say thank you, JTG, for taking the time out and talking with us, sharing some great stories from your book. And thank you for having me, man. I appreciate the time you guys um, took out to have me on here. <laughs> no, thank you. And make sure everyone go out and buy the book. It's called Damn, Damn Why Did I Write This, write this book? book. And Damn Why Did I Write This, this Book, book too. too. <laughs> You have just listened to the Wrestling IQ 101 podcast, powered by B Plus Player Radio. One more for the good guy.